You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Since our initial launch, Kara and I have made it a point to actively seek out stories from various walks of life in our industry throughout our episodes to make sure to have representation of all types. That said, just as we made a conscious decision to celebrate Pride Month and International Women's Month last year, we are focusing our full-length episodes solely on the stories of Black women, honoring and amplifying their voices in celebration of Black History Month. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Kara Cooper. And I'm Jessica Rush. Today's guest is a Tony and Emmy winner currently seen on NBC's The Blacklist and most recently on Broadway in the reimagining of A Christmas Carol as the ghost of Christmas Present and Mrs. Fezziwig. She has originated numerous roles on and off Broadway, including that of August and two-time Pulitzer Prize winner Lynn Nottage's A Secret Life of Bees, Donna Summer in Summer the Donna Summer Musical, Kate and If Then, Seely in The Color Purple, and Jess, who could forget Once on This Island? Oh my God, I wore that cast recording out. She is one of the founders of Black Theater United. She made history appearing on Broadway at the same time as her daughter. And she shares how returning to the stage helped her move through grief following the loss of her husband. Welcome to our conversation with LaShans. Oh my God. LaShawns, I am so happy to see your face. Thank you for being here with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Nice to see you too, Jess. It's been a while. And I'm, I'm like fangirling over here. I am, <laughs> I've been a huge fan for such a long time. I, of course, saw you in summer because I saw Jess, but um, I have been a fan for quite some time. So I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. Oh, thank you, Kara. Nice to meet you and speak with you as well. Um, well, it is. We're recording actually on Celia's 21st birthday, yes. your daughter. So, and we always ask people to start by telling us about their children. So, will you tell us about your daughters? Absolutely. Well, you mentioned Celia. She's my, my firstborn. She's 21 today. That's crazy. Um, she is actually up in Toronto working on a series. She booked a um, a series regular role on an iconic series that I can't tell you about, but I'm so proud of her. She's, um, she, you know, being in this business, I did not want either of my daughters to go into this industry. I did everything I could to distract them from it. But I guess growing up backstage and on sets and traveling the world with a mom who's an, who's an artist, you can't help but having it rub off on you. So um, she's been working professionally since she was 17. And um, I'm really proud of her. Um, Zaya, my youngest, is a sophomore in college out at UCSD. I'm very proud of her. She's um, completely the opposite of Celia in that she does not want to do anything on stage for anyone. She does not want attention. She does not like it at all. She wants to be in the absolute opposite of what I do and what Celia does. But she does have a very outgoing, bubbly personality. Um, she is still very much an artist. She's a musician. She uh, plays guitar. She writes music, but she is not, but she wants to, to be a professor. She wants to teach linguistics. So um, very different, very different. She um, taught herself Japanese and she speaks fluent Spanish and 
She's very, she loves languages. Let me just say that. Mama. Wow. wow. That's impressive. I mean, that is, I didn't know that about the linguistic part. Oh my God. I can't even linguist. That's a word that's sort of tricky. I think if you're not used to having it roll off your tongue. I know. It's also a world we're very unfamiliar with. Us yeah. people. Clearly. I had to ask her what that meant. I was like, so you want to teach languages? No, right. mom. I want to teach linguistics. Okay. Well, have at it. Right. <laughs> Did you see they are so different in that way? Did you see that from early on with the yeah. girls? I mean, they're so close in age. Yes. I think, right? They're like 18 months or yeah, 20. They're, I mean, they're-, they're 16 months apart. Yep. 16 months. Wow. I did not know I was pregnant, obviously. Um, I just I just noticed that I was not losing weight when my trainer, who I was paying, was uh, working me out for the blood. And I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? I actually fired him because I didn't think he was a good trainer. And I found out much later that I was three months pregnant. So, Oh my God, that is wild. Like to have like two girls though, so close in age, yes. I'm sure, you know, growing up, they were bosom buddies at times and probably had their moments too, but for them to be so different with regard to their interests, you know, yes. I mean, to have, they're both creative in their own ways, but mm-hmm. for Zaya to have gone a completely different direction yes. and there's Celia just, you know, Tony nominee, Celia <laughs> Gooding. Do you know what I mean? Like I what know. that must have been like for you to see them pursue their passions in their own way? Well, you're right in that when they're young, when they were younger, they were definitely, I saw very young, their, their, their personalities. Um, Celia was always very performative, no matter what, no matter what she wanted to do in the house, no matter what she wanted. Ever ever since she was a baby, she was very, very loud. Oh my God. Her cries were the (laughs) loudest cries. Like the neighbors would be like, oh, Celia's up. So um, (laughs) she made her presence known. And we live in a house. So let's just say (laughs) it wasn't a shared wall. And my neighbors were like, oh, Celia's awake. Okay. Um, (laughs) So... Um, yeah. And Zaya, um, was very, she's very, very headstrong child. Um, I remember when she was two years old, it was as if she understood what no meant for the first time was I said no to her for something. And I never forget this. The look she gave me was to you. It's no, but not to me, mom. And ever since then, she really, she's, she's my child that I have to explain in detail why she can't have something or why she just, she just challenges every single question. And that's just how she is in life as well. I thought she would have been an incredible attorney because of the way her mind works, but she didn't want to go into law. She, she was very much into computer science for a while, but she dropped that when she got into college. (laughs) Oh my God. Unbeknownst wow. to me, but oh. now she's doing linguistics. So <laughs> and we're happy. Again, headstrong. She makes her own decisions. <laughs> yes. Right. How are you feeling empty nest though? I mean, now that Celia has gone to Toronto. Yeah. Oh, she's dancing. <laughs> we y'all. saw a little dance. <laughs> well, you know, it, for everyone, all of my friends in my age range and that, that our children have grown up with, particularly single mothers, they say to me, you know, LaShance, it's going to be tough once your daughters leave, even single fathers that I know or single parents. They always say it's going to be so difficult once you're in their empty nesting and you know, you're just going to miss having them in the house. And that hasn't happened yet. I'm sure it's going to kick in. 
<laughs> but for me, I guess because I talk to them pretty much every day. Um, and it's just my, it's my first time living alone since before I met my husband, my late husband, which is well over 25 years now. So it's interesting because I only have to cook for myself. I only have to do my own laundry. I only have to clean up after myself. It's just very different. And I'm sure there will be a time when I'm like, oh, I want my babies to come home, but I'm still, um, I'm breathing in the, the single space and I'm doing a lot of purging. I've, I've been in their rooms. I've literally re, redesigned Celia's bedroom. I've thrown out so much stuff. And with Celia's, I've put so much stuff. I mean, with Zaya's, I've put so much stuff away. So I'm, I'm in the middle of a purge. So I like it. You said you're breathing in this like single space. Like I'm yeah. thinking about the headspace that you probably have, not being worried about other people in your space, even if it's just, you know, are they home yet? Or are are they going to make it to this place on time? Or are they fed? You know, that takes up a lot of space in a mom's brain. It does. So I can, I can only imagine how free you feel right now. And to say I'm yeah. jealous is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> Says the mothers of very of small children, small kiddos. I mean, but you are so incredibly close to your daughters. I mean, I remember you texting them during rehearsals when we were in California, and them coming to visit. And um, I want to I want to come back to this part about how you balance being a single mom in the business. But before we do that, for all of our Broadway fans, because I know we have some people that listen who don't know Broadway, but then we do have a lot of people who are the Broadway audience. And I have, there's a story you told about your audition for Once on this Island that I about, and I think, I think about (laughs) with regard to like Celia, who's in this business. And I know, you know, kids nowadays in these college programs, they're prepping, they're getting all this material. The business is so hot, right? Like there's so many, there's an influx of people now. Mm -hmm. And you talked about when you auditioned and if I'm remembering it correctly, there was nobody there, which which is wild (laughs) to me. It's wild. So will you tell that story? Because I remember being blown away by how different the industry is now and just what that must've been like to have that moment. Sure. Well, uh, back then, this was pre-cell phones, pre-internet, this is all of that. So uh, we would have to get the audition announcements through the backstage, which you would the, the actual paper, and you the would actual go, paper, not online, not the there online, was no online. No. Nope. <laughs> you would go to your local corner newsstands that were all over the city, and you would buy your backstage, and you would look in the back to see what the auditions were that week. And this particular week, there was an audition for a teenage girl to play a Caribbean, a young Caribbean girl named, and I thought it was pronounced T Mound at the time. So I was going in to read for T Mound. And um <laughs> I mean it is spelled M-O-U. I mean M-O-U-N-E. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't know it was T Moon. So anyway, um I said, Oh, this I can I can do this. So I go to the equity building, which is where the open call was, and I walked upstairs and I went and it was completely empty. And I thought, uh oh, am I here on the wrong day? So I went to the room where the casting people were supposed to be. And there they were. It was about three people and, and someone sitting at a piano. They were reading books. They weren't checking their phones. There were no phones, but they were reading a newspaper, reading books. And I pop, peeked and I said, hi, is this the audition for Once on the Sound? They said, yes, yes, please come in. And I was <laughs> like, okay, great. I went in, I sang my song. I, I read the lines that they gave me. And then I got a call later saying they want to call you back. 
And it that's sort of how it started. There was no one else there. That is I can't even crazy. imagine. Like when yeah. you think about now the amount of people that I mean, of course it was a different time. So and 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 I know that like in the 80s, because that was late 80s, right? So like in the 80s in New York City, it was a very different place. Yeah. And the industry had been struggling for a while. Broadway was struggling, and and so it wasn't what it is today. But when I think about even when I got to the city in like the early 2000s, it's like the waiting outside online to just get into the equity building to put your name on a list to hopefully be seen at three o'clock that day, whatever. Like it is wild to me that you thought there wasn't even an audition happening. Like there was nobody at the equity building that every time I no. hear that, and then you, you know, booked it, holla, hashtag booked it. because <laughs> is fierce. And now we've got waiting for life to begin like over, you know, it's in our, how many of us have sung that song? Like over, over. I, wore, is- I wore the soundtrack out, LaShawns. I wore it out. That's so amazing to me when I think about it, because once on this island was, you know, it was a cult favorite, but a very small show. I mean, we were we were the smallest little cast. We were this little quiet musical that Graciela Danielle directed and choreographed over at Playwrights Horizons originally. And there was like no buzz about us. We didn't even know if we were going to move. We didn't know anything. So when we moved, we were like, this is great. We're going to Broadway. But we were at the tiniest theater. We were at the booth. Smallest Broadway house. Um, it was very, very low budget, low, low, low budget. We were barefoot on stage. We used, you saw the, you might have seen clips, props for umbrellas, flashlights. We, it was only because there was no money. So Graciela created this iconic, memorable uh, vision of the, for this show that you can see in compared to the revival where they had live animals on stage. I mean, <laughs> very different budget. Um, I'm sure our show was not a third of what that budget is, but, um, yeah, we were this little, we were the small show that could, and it just got a lot of steam and, you know, we, we just, it just became a cult favorite and we're so thrilled that it has got, it has had the success that it's had. I've, I've gotten calls from kids in Japan that do once on this island and they just can't believe it. And it was just really wonderful experience. I, d- I didn't see the original production, but I did see you did a reunion concert at the Winter Garden Theater. Yes. Uh, I believe it was Mother's Day, actually. Mm-hmm. I went with my mom, and it was the most moving thing I've ever seen. And it was. It was a bare stage. It was no set. It was you all just telling the story, and that's what was so powerful about it. It was why I, we I could tell crush. the story. Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I mean, like, you just brought it in. Ah, I know, <laughs> I know. But I, I'm totally fangirling because I remember that moment, and it was prior to me being on Broadway, prior to me living the life that I wanted to pursue, mm-hmm. and seeing that happen up on stage, I was just blown away. So, Oh, thank you. Thank you for that experience. Sure. I had Sally and Zaya there that day, actually. I, I brought them out uh, on stage. I remember. I remember. They must have been small. They were teeny. So it was in one arm, I was a baby. Oh, oh my gosh. My gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we circle back to Celia and the fact that you were both on Broadway at the same time? History making, everybody. <laughs> I mean, what was that like for you? I can't I, I can't imagine being like, oh yeah, my daughter's a couple doors down, you know, doing her show. I, I don't know. I I don't I can't imagine what that was like. Well, you know, you ne- you're never not a mom, right? You're always a mom. Mm-hmm. No matter what's going on, no matter where you are in your life, you're always a mom. So I would leave my show 
um, my show got out like about 15 minutes earlier than hers. And because she was so young, I didn't want her. She's like, mom, I'm just going to take the train home. I was like, no, you're not. So I would leave my show and go drive around, wait outside in front of her show to pick her up while after she signed her autographs, get in the car to drive my daughter home. So uh, it wasn't that, you know, oh, here's my star Broadway daughter, my Broadway star daughter. It is my daughter who I have to make sure she gets home safely. So that was just, you know, yeah. all I kept thinking about. But watching her when I would sit in the car and I would try to sit far enough away where people wouldn't see me because then it would be about me and not about her. And I just would see, I saw her just grow so gracefully with the, um, with the fans outside. Initially she was overwhelmed, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Who are all these people? And she wanted to sign every single autograph and she took pictures with every single person and she was giving out her phone number. I was like, what are you doing? Relax. These people have <laughs> calm down. And then to see her grow into this graceful young woman who was very uh, receiving and receptive of the compliments and the accolades, but also very centered and focused on um, what she was doing. And I and I was so proud of her. But being on stage with her, uh, being on Broadway at the same time, leading with her was was very special for both of us because we got to do it. We got to check that box. And oh so we're very happy. It's okay. a box that like so few people will ever have the opportunity to check and like a dream that you don't even want to dream. You know what I mean? You're thinking like this could not be possible. I remember when we were out here in La Jolla or maybe when we were back doing summer on Broadway, she was doing the workshop and she was in high school, right? Like she yeah. was, yeah. She was a junior. Oh my gosh. I remember that. And I can't believe she's 21 now. Where? What is time? What is time, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I find so powerful about it, because we talk a, a lot about this, is that you know when you become a mother, and this certainly hasn't been the case for you, but there is a mm, sometimes your career takes a step back, right? Yes. And so you're you're fostering this next life life into fruition, and you supported her all the way through this dream of making it on Broadway. But we're still able to do it yourself, you know? And that I think is so powerful for our listeners to hear that it's possible, right? It's possible to keep doing that thing that you love and that you dream of doing while also supporting your children to do their their thing as well. And it's something that we forget as moms a lot. It's true. But I do think that as moms, the, our number one job is our children. It just is. What we do for our for a living is our occupation. That's what pays our bills sometimes or keeps us sane in other areas. But the number one job for me is, is as, as I'm sure for both of you, is your children. Everything has to work around that. And um, that was always my approach. So even when I started working on, I think it was, I think it was the color purple was when I started to request no, no, no. It wasn't Color Purple. It was an off-Broadway musical that I did called The Bubbly Black Girl Sheds Her Chameleon Skin. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, it was so funny, quick, funny story about that was I did the workshop seven months pregnant. And I only did the workshop because it was at Playwrights Horizons and I knew everyone and I loved everyone and I loved the music, but I knew that I was going to have a baby. I was going to have Celia and I wouldn't be able to do the production. I just knew it. So after a while, they called me while I'm still pregnant. And they said, LaChance, we really want you to do the production. How long would it take for you after you give birth for you to be ready to come back to stage? I said, oh, probably about three weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah, we think that. Don't we think? <laughs> probably about three weeks. I'll be ready. 
Now, mind you, I had a C-section. So I was like, when three weeks came and I had to show up at that rehearsal hall with my teeny weeny little baby that I was nursing, I cried so much. I would nurse and then they would say, okay, 10 minutes is over. And I would hand my baby off to, I had a nanny come with me. Someone helped me care for the baby. But she would hold her while I, she would sit outside the dressing room or and in, in, in another area they set up for her, like a little nursery, because she had to be with me because I was nursing. So they gave me the room for my daughter so that I could work, which was rare for me. Even when the show went into production, there was an area in the theater at Playwrights Horizons that they created sort of a nursery so that Celia could be with me while I was on stage. And whenever she would start crying, oh my God, I could tell because I had those pads on and (laughs) they were just fill up. I was like, and there I am playing a little girl with pigtails with these giant breasts (laughs) that my daughter was with. She would, but, um, so she grew, she literally was not even a month old before she was backstage at the theater. Eighty-four, <laughs> um, so it's very funny, but the struggle is real. That is, I but, mean, it, that is crazy. And you weren't even at three weeks. You're not even healed from your C-section yet. I, I mean, you know, it's like no way. It's, just, it's amazing that the you know in this moment that you become a mother in an instant, everything you thought you knew goes out the window. Right? It's like everything you thought you knew about what the experience was going to be is gone. Starting with the fact that you fully thought, ah. Three weeks. I'm good. You know, same. I remember getting a call for an audition like a week after Elliot was born for sideshow to like stand by dreams. Right. My, I love that show. Yeah. And they were like, so rehearsals start in three weeks. Um, do you think you'd be ready to do that? And I was like, oh my God, no. I mean, I would have to be gone for eight hours a day, at least for rehearsal. Then we're in tech, then we're doing it. And you'll never, I'll never have this time back. And I remember in that moment, like you said, our occupations are occupations and being a mother is our life, right? That is, that is what comes first. They are who come first. And in that moment, it was the first, it's the first time I had to turn down a job because of my baby. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and now obviously I'm happy I did, but it's just that moment where you have to make the decision and, and it can be daunting to think like, this is, I have to, I have to commit and make us a, a very unselfish decision yes. after being selfish yeah. for so long as actors. Oh yes. I, yeah. I, I did take some time off after, um, when they started to be, to get to be toddlers and I was so busy with, two, I had two cribs. They were both, they were so young. It, I took off after the, after bubbly, I stopped working for about, I want to say about a good, no, that's not true. I did bubbly and then I did vagina monologues after Zaya was born. And then I took time off because between the time that Zaya was born and Celia was born is when I lost my husband. And so I thought that I would never, I, I had made a commitment to myself. That's it. I'm never working again. I'm going to stay home and raise my children. And um, I've had a wonderful career so far. This was lovely. But then Eve Ensler, whose her name is V now, but formerly known as Eve Ensler, she um, called me and she she knew about everything that had happened to me. And she said, um, you know, LaShawn, 
I would I think it would be very healthy for you to get back on stage. And I have a musical that I wrote over at the uh, I forgot what the name of the theater, the West West Side Theater. It's called The Vagina Monologues, and all you have to do is sit on a stool, read monologues, and fake orgasms. I said, <laughs> hmm, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she sort of brought me back into this business, and I'm so I'll, forever grateful to her for encouraging me to get back on stage. I'm sure. I mean, Absolutely. I think you you touched on that briefly, and we won't go into too much detail, but when you're working through grief and moving through that, um, as you have experience with, I think that you said, she called you and said, I think it would be healthy for you to come back. Because at the end of the day, yes, you had had this beautiful career, and now you had these babies that you're taking care of on your own. Mm-hmm. And I think that the gift of being on stage where it's home, right? Like I feel like so many of us feel like the stage is home. And so to return to that after your loss and with the girls um, was, I would imagine, you know, I can only imagine, but super cathartic and helpful to move forward and to see what the rest of your life would be. Yes. And the theater fam, you know, in the theater, your, your coworkers are like your family. You get, we, we get so close and that that was what I was used to. I was used to having a theater family around all the time because I went from show to show to show or TV or film, whatever. But, I, but more in theater, I was used to having this community and I was isolated with my children and my family and my, I, I just felt like I was in another world um, with a support system around me. But I really needed to remember what I felt like for me. I needed to, I need, I needed to, uh, challenge myself again. That's very, that's very important to me, LaShawn's, to have a challenge. It's a part of the way I'm wired. Um, and I'm only happy when I am handling some sort of challenge in my life because it's, I feel like I'm growing. I feel like I'm adding something productive to society. It's when I sleep the best is when I feel like I've worked the hardest or completed mm-hmm. something. So it felt good to get back into my own, my own skin again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's what so many of us are missing right now, right? I mean, in a in a in another way, the country is going through an experience and so and but differently is that all of what we know is gone, right? Like our even our safe places, our safest spaces are not accessible and are not we're not able to go be in those spaces and the connection more than anything. I mean, that's what Kara and I have talked about on this podcast and why we've kept it going all throughout this year is that to connect with our listeners, to connect with our fellow moms in this business, to support and to feel like, even though we're on these journeys separately, we are all together and to make our way through this time that is, you know, never ending. It feels like, and, yes. and the morning of losing, it all was ripped away so quickly, right? The theater was just like gone. It's just, you know, right. I keep saying to people like my show didn't close, Celia's show didn't close. There was right. no, there was no closure to that situation. You know, yes. we just, um, and so I think that I love to think about our theater family and it's so true. No, mm-hmm. no, nowhere else do you get that. I mean, it truly is. They're there to lift us up, yep. to keep us afloat. They come together without fail in a moment and in a heartbeat, you know? Yeah. Well, when you think about what we're doing, I mean, we're, we're, we've created, we're creating magic. We're on stage. We're, we're creating this world and it, it forces you to be open and, and to share your emotions and to share your heart. We are trusting each other with each other's 
emotions, basically. Mm-hmm. And and that trust creates a bond. I mean, Jess, I've not seen you in years, but mm-hmm. I will I all we have our, our relationship because of that show. We were seeing each other every day, every com every on stage and off stage experience. All of those times we've had together will are in my memory. They're in my my history. And um, you know, you're not just the woman in the cubicle next to me. You're a woman whose eyes I had to look into and care for and sing with and you know, which is uh very special, I think. For sure. We oh. also had some really good bonfire nights at the beach with oh. some- <laughs> <laughs> in La Jolla. I do have a photo of that. One of those nights, those were, you know, especially also when you do go out of town, you know, LaShawns and I did summer on Broadway, but we also did it here in La Jolla. And when you're away also on tour, you know, for those of you who aren't in the business, these are the only people you see. That's right. It is your yeah. company. You do dinner breaks together. And like I said, you know, bonfires on the beach or experiences yes. or whatever, but like to go through these journeys in one, um, in one place without your family. That is yeah. a whole nother level too, I think, of bonding. I mean, we think of people who we worked with over 25 years ago, 20 years ago, and I know yeah. that I could reach out in a second and they would connect and they would say, what do you need? You know? Absolutely. And it's, just- it, it's so funny you said that, the way you said that, LaShawn's like, I, I speak of all these people that I've worked with throughout my career as my friends. And, I, and I've had people say like, well, when was the last time you talked to them? And it's been many, 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 many years but mm-hmm. they are a part. They are a part of my my being, my mm-hmm. actual physical being because of what we shared together, whether on stage or off doing a out-of-town tryout or a national tour or something like that. I think what you really hit home, what these connections are, these theatrical connections that we make, it's not the person that's sitting next to you. It is a person that you have shared your soul with in many ways. And that connection never goes away. No, it doesn't. Sure. And more, yeah. and you trust, you learn how to trust and, and relieve and you sort of release onto this other person. You give it to them and then trust that they will take good care of it and vice yeah. versa. And they give you theirs. So it's, it's a beautiful exchange. I love it. It's exciting and thrilling. I'm so thrilled to be an artist and an actor and I love the theater and I love the stage and I just think it's a wonderful place if you can be a part of this community that we call theater. It's a great place to build a sense of yourself and great relationships and to uh, and to bring joy to many people. For sure. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. That leads to sort of, you know, the, one of the last things we wanted to speak with you about was Black Theater United. You know, oh. we, um, Audra spoke with us about it earlier this season. Um, we also, uh, I mean, Natasha was on with us last season, but there are a group of you guys who have, you are the founders of Black Theater United. And I know you're one of those. Yes. We also saw you speak um, on the panels for Broadway Advocacy Coalition. Yes. Um, with mm-hmm. Adrian. And um, that was fantastic. But we, we know that you guys have something up your sleeve. I mean, I, I, I want to hear what you guys are up to because I've seen on your Insta stories that y'all are maybe filming something exciting for Black oh. Theater United, <laughs> right? <We did. laughs> uh-huh. I was like, what is she talking about? What is she talking about? What is she talking about? Because we're doing so many things that I was like, okay, which committee? I sit on four committees, Black Theater United, we're very busy. We have yeah, um, four committees just on Black Theater for Black Theater that United. That I sit on. 
Wow. That yeah, I, I mean, so will you tell us sort of how that came about? I mean, cause you were, I feel like you were one of the main, you and Audra, right? Started yeah. this together. Definitely. So, um, back when, uh, everything started when, back when COVID first happened and we all started to get quarantined, um, the murder of George Floyd happened mm-hmm. and, um, then all the social unrest happened. Then all the protests happened. And, you know, we're all sitting at home and I'm looking at my computer and I'm scrolling Twitter and I'm scrolling Instagram and I'm looking and I'm not seeing any support from our industry. And I wanted to make, you know, to, to put a note about that out there. So I put out a tweet about how, um, not, not condemning anyone or, or pointing out anyone in any way, but how, as a black woman, I felt that it was important that my community got behind and supported supported me in this huge time of social unrest and racial inequality. And I was I didn't hear anything. I didn't I didn't I was at that time I hadn't seen any theater make any statements or anything. And I felt like, and I, I think it, I think in my tweet I said something like, you know. Um, I have performed on several stages for free and supported many causes um, within my theater community. And I really would love to hear from the theater community now in support of what's happening in my community, in the black community. And Audra saw that and she called me and she said, LaChance, I am, I feel exactly the way you do. We need to come together. So she said, we put together a list of people of our friends and she said, let's just call them up and get them in a room and figure out what we can do. And that night we had 19 of us on a Zoom saying, okay, guys, we have to do something in the as, as black theater professionals with all these experience among us because it's about it's about 500 years of experience because we're the OGs. <laughs> no, you, guys are, you are the pillars. Yeah. You are pillars of our community. I mean, yep. truly, you are. So we're the old ones, but I'll say, I'll say, I'll, I'll take pillars. Yeah. <laughs> we're the old pillars. But um, <laughs> so we got together and we got on a Zoom and Black Theater United was formed and we we decided what we wanted to stand for. We decided what we wanted to get behind, who we wanted to advocate for. And, um, and we started forming committees. We had a couple town halls when we first started. We're going to bring those back. Then we got very active in um, social justice. We we do quite a bit, but our main focus is to protect Black bodies, Black lives, and Black talent on our stages and off. So, and we love, love, love all of our allies. We have so much support. We have Black theater members, and we have Black, and we have. Um, black BTU allies and our allies have come out in such full force. It was like everyone read my little tweet and heard from me and Audra and said, Oh really? You don't think we're here? Watch this. And so everyone has come out in support for the most part. And then you see all these other organizations that have been formed. I think BAC Broadway um, advocacy coalition has been around, but then black theater, um, I don't know. It's BTC. Um, I can't think of the last, what the C stands for, Black Theater Coalition, I think it is. And then there's Broadway for Racial Justice. And, you know, there are all these amazing organizations that have come together um, to help educate and um, sort of just enlighten so many parts of our institution that 
has gone on for a very long time without this type of sensitivity. And so, and we're seeing movement, we're seeing change, and and we're grateful that Black Theater United has is a sort of a, a, a beacon in this in this movement, and we're thrilled to be to be doing some good work. But let me tell you, I've never been so busy with a volunteer <laughs> organization in my life. I'm on meetings all to, every day, just about it feels like. But we're committed and we're getting the work done. So it's all good. It's incredible. I mean, Kara and I have, you know, with regard to being busy, I do feel like so many of us are busier than we have ever been. And I mean, (laughs) and we're not even, no one's getting paid. You know what I mean? (laughs) And we're not doing the things we normally do. Like we're not doing the jobs we normally do. Although you've been a little busy. You've been shooting some TV shows and whatnot, Mm. haven't you? A little bit. Yeah, (laughs) a little bit, a little little bit. bit. (laughs) You've been doing some things. But we're volunteering so much of our time to because we've realized, those of us who are allies as well, who it feel like we have all had time to pay attention. You know, mm-hmm. like we, like you mm-hmm. spoke about, it's like there was, uh, there's an, a, there's a reckoning and an awakening happening and a seismic shift. And I do believe that's true. You know, Shelly Williams talked about how she sees people in this industry actually listening yes. and taking yeah. the steps to make it better and mm-hmm. to progress forward. And, um, and yes, while BAC has been around, there hadn't been sadly enough, it took the murder of George Floyd and the racial, um, unrest. I mean, um, you know, society unrest to, to catapult these conversations and to bring mm-hmm. very much of an awareness because you and I, I mean, I, I mean, I saw it firsthand on summer, you know, mm-hmm. with regard to microaggressions, oh, microaggressions. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw that firsthand and, and didn't feel like I was in a position to speak up being in the ensemble. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think now all of us realize that it is our duty and our responsibility yes. that no matter who we are in the company, we are all a company and That's we right, should yeah. be treated the same and with respect and admiration and, um, and have a safe space. And I know, you know, we've had those conversations with the Tina company as well mm-hmm. with our general managers. And so, and they have been taking um, active steps and, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to when we go back, I know we're going to have, you know, anti-racist training. I, yes. I, I know there are producers who are actively deciding what we're going to do to not, cause we can't go back. We can't go back. You know, like, yeah. like right. Daniel Watts says, we can't go, we can't come back. We need to come forward, forward. as yep. new people. And so, I think we are. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I really do think we are. That's the thing. It's, I was you're seeing that firsthand, you know. Yeah, so you're, you you would know much more than we do as to what is happening, you know. And I and I and it's nice to hear that you believe that because I think it can be easily easy for all of us to lose heart, right? Or feel like, "Oh, it's going to get sort of swept under the rug once things come back." But um yeah. but you guys are working so hard to make sure that it's not. Absolutely. You know? That's and that's one of our one of our main goals is to be support for artists for black artists who may be, um, let's say, out doing a show in Milwaukee somewhere and they feel like they're the only one and they don't know who they, who they can call for support, they can always reach out to Black Theater United um, and, and put, their, put, the, put their situation on our radar so that we will be able to pay attention and, and we will send a letter to the company stating that this is a member of Black Theater United and we are writing um, in support of whatever they need and for protection and for security and safety, just to let you know that this is one of our members. And we actually have done that now for a couple of uh, artists in the country back when we were, back when there were the few of them that were working. I feel that once we all get back on stages, it might increase, but um, 
we're working towards establishing a kind of um, sort of outline of the of of, of a set of, of guidelines for uh, theaters to potentially potentially re reference when they need to um, whenever they're having any questions about um, racial unjust or microaggressions within the theater. So. Incredible. It's, and what, and so will incredible. you just give us a, a sneak peek, uh, in, into what the video is that you guys were of doing? Course. <laughs> so, so you on there, I saw almost Natasha Vett Williams, Natasha. just Vanessa Williams, everybody y'all, you looked gorge as per usual LaShawn's you. in your story. But, um, what is this video that you guys are shooting? So we recorded a song called stand for change and it was, um, it's sort of our theme song, if you will. And um, Vanessa Williams, who we love, 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 produced this entire production from getting the writer to us recording it during COVID, all because everyone was all over the place. And so we had to go to record either in our homes or in a safe COVID uh, environment, a studio. And we mixed it all. We have Michael McElroy and we, you know, cause our founding members are a lot of people in our industry. And so we're lucky to have all these, and even Karen Ford, who is a black sound designer, mm -hmm. she mixed it for us. And, um, and, but, but it's, I have to say Vanessa gets all the credit because she's one who reached out to the record companies and the, um, and they got the sponsorship so that we can afford to go and shoot this beautiful video out at NJ Pack. We were able to be on a stage again. It was wonderful. We, we have an amazing uh, production team. Everyone had to get COVID tested that morning so we all, so we could be together. And the the feeling of being in the room with these people that I've only looked at on my computer through through Zooms for a year was just, we just all wanted to cry because we couldn't believe we were actually seeing each other and touching each other. You know, it was it was a wonderful experience. So look for our video, Stand for Change. It's going to be all over our site and we're going to promote it and everything. But it's sort of the theme song for Black Theater United. We stand for change. That's awesome. It. It's, we, we love it so much. And I, I love you, Mama. Like, thank Aww. you so Thank you so much for joining us. You're just such a light. You know, it's like you come in with your smile, even when you're having to tell people what's what and make your <laughs> points known. You always do it though. You're never, you know, you do it with a smile and with, with a positive, but firm, you know, conversation, <laughs> but you know, you are joy. And I, I'm just so happy that we finally were able to have you on to talk oh. to us, to share your journey and to hear your stories and learn more about Black Theater United. And um, I can't wait until we're all back in Midtown, like seeing each other on the street, you know, Yes. <laughs> between yes. shows, between shows. But um, thank you. Thank you thank for you having so me. Much. Great. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. Special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic. Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward Weber for our awesome theme song. Our producers, Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 